Hello and welcome to Econo Day Unplugged. It's Tuesday the 19th of September 2019. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. Well, last Thursday, we saw the ECB deliver, deliver its latest easing package, although it remains to be seen just how effective it's going to be. And this week, it's the turn of the Bank of Japan, the Fed, the Swiss National Bank and the Bank of England. With that in mind, the weekend's attacks on Saudi oil fills and the, the subsequent initial 20% jump in oil prices have added an extra layer of uncertainty to the global economic picture and poses a question, I guess, will the spike have any implications for central bank policy? On which note, it's FOMC time. So, Mr. Pender, mm-hmm. it looks as if market confidence in a Fed cut tomorrow had already faded a little bit anyway. Do you think mm. this um, bouncing all prices will hit prospects anymore or is it neither here nor there? Well, you know, it's probably uh, neither here nor there. And that's basically just, uh, I think, uh, how the Federal Reserve makes its assessments. It, uh, you know, steps back from uh, jumping to conclusions, as it were. And uh, we really don't know uh, um, how long this uh, interruption will be in oil production. I guess there's reports out of Saudi Arabia that it might be uh, uh, coming back online sooner than expected. We'll have to see whether or not there'll be any more attacks. Um, So I don't think it'll be really uh, a front and center issue that would make the statement, for instance, uh, tomorrow's FOMC statement, although it'll certainly be a topic of discussion at the meeting and as well as at the press conference uh, following which. But I think expectations are really very almost universal that there'll be a 25 basis point cut. The real question will be is will it be uh, described as a uh, uh, continuing policy adjustment uh, or is this a pivot uh, to a lower trend for interest rates and I think that that's what where the mystery will lie um, the FOMC forecast will be um, also published but unlike the ECB uh, Jerome Powell has diminished the importance of these uh, forecasts they don't really uh, are not as front and center for you to be able to calculate how many uh, rate cuts the uh, Fed will be doing um, with uh, certainty, uh, certainly not in cement. I guess there's one expectations that there'll be one more uh, for the remainder of the year and whatever it's worth, maybe a couple more for next year, although that's completely up. It will be more important uh, how Jerome Powell describes uh, the current uh, uh, rate policy than what those uh, forecasts will show. Um, it's, uh, like you say, it is a rush of, uh, central bank meetings and, uh, um, you know, I have my eye on a Swiss national bank personally, uh, because, um, they're already in deep negative territory and if they go another step, uh, into that, uh, which is possible, uh, that, uh, would, I think, accelerate this, uh, global shift to, um, to stimulus. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I think it's a good call. I think, um, you know, typically speaking, the Swiss National Bank, which uh, meets on Thursday, so the same day as the Bank of England over here, um, typically, I suppose, it tends to get overlooked and the concentration tends to be on, certainly within Europe anyway, the ECB and the Bank of England. But as you mentioned, this week, it could be quite interesting. So just to put this into context, um, you know, the Swiss National Bank's monetary policy at the moment really revolves around the level of the Swiss franc and, and crucially, the level of the Swiss franc against the euro. 
So, I mean, as we speak, euro Swiss francs, so Swiss francs per euro stands at what? Just below 1.10. Now, the, the belief has been within the marketplace that as far as the, the Swiss National Bank's pain threshold for its currency, it's round about the one spot one five level. So, in other words, the Swiss uh, franc is already about 5% or so too strong as far as the SMB is concerned. Indeed, for people with good memories, they, they may recall that the National Bank used to have um, a target floor for Euro Swiss franc all the way back at 120. So we're best part of 10% below that. Now, that means then going into this meeting, the sort of speculation, well, perhaps they'll come out, as you mentioned, they already have negative interest rates. Their policy rate stands at minus 0.75%. Having seen the ECB trim its deposit rate last week by 10 basis points, perhaps they'll come out and do something similar or indeed make a bigger move with view to try and weaken its currency a little bit. But I think as far as it's concerned, it's, uh, there's been a lot of political pressure on Switzerland from um, from the politicians and parliament who really don't like the idea of having negative money market rates. And indeed, in Switzerland, they've been negative for a long time now. Um, of course, we've had uh, the same sort of problems that the ECB has been facing with negative interest rates at the end of the day. Uh, they hurt savers and in particular, they also um, hurt banks' profit margins. So were the SMB to go further into negative territory, again, is going to put added pressure, added costs on the banks themselves. So I think, you know, will they go or won't they go? Well, I must say, I think had the euro weakened significantly on the back of the EC booths last week, then I think the Swiss National Bank would probably have to just bite the bullet and say, OK, we're cutting as well. But in practice, um, the response from the currency market to the ECB's moves has been relatively mild. And in fact, if we look at euro Swiss franc at the moment, I said we're trading about, what, 1.10. So that's what about a percentage point or so stronger uh, than we were before the ECB's announcements itself. So in other words, the SMB, if it wants to, has really got the option of keeping its powder dry and keeping what would be perhaps an emergency additional cut in interest rates until such time as we see, if indeed we do see, the Swiss franc strengthen significantly further. Well, what does the SMB do now in, in those um, uh, pre-meeting or those um, in-between meetings? Let's say there is a rush to buy. There's a lot of troubles in the world, of course. And um, what happens if there is a rush to buy the Swiss national, uh, I mean, to buy the Swiss franc? Would the bank come in? Um, in between, do they make statements? Do they just uh, quietly intervene in, in the foreign exchange markets? What do they do? Well, okay, there's two, two things they can do. One, they could actually come out and change policy rates between their scheduled central bank meetings. They've done that before, and indeed, uh, when they actually abandoned their Swiss franc target floor, where a lot of other central banks around the world who were extremely unhappy with the move because it caught everyone uh, completely on the blind side. And we saw a huge, what, 20 to 30% fall in the value of the Swiss franc. Didn't last that long, but nonetheless, it led to extreme levels of volatility, volatility FX markets. But Anyway, it does mean that the Swiss franc, uh, sorry, the SMB, the Swiss National Bank, can change policies between its allocated meetings. More likely, though, at least as a first round measure, it will do, in fact, what it's been doing for the last few months, and that's to intervene in the FX markets. So on Thursday, whether we get any cut in interest rates or not, you can bet your bottom dollar or your bottom franc, whatever takes your fancy. What they will do is to very much reinforce that they're unhappy with current levels of the Swiss franc. 
and they're more than happy to intervene as necessary to cap its appreciation. Now, looking at, it's difficult to get hold of uh, intervention numbers, but there's a couple of proxies you can use looking at uh, SMB site deposits or their foreign currency reserves. And from changes in those over the last couple of months or so, especially since the end of July and beginning of August, when the franc really has appreciated quite sharply, those reserves have gone up significantly. So all the signs are that, in actual fact, the Swiss franc might be perhaps significantly stronger than it is at the moment, um, had the SMB not been intervening. So I think they're really so active it, in the market at the moment. And, w and their um, style or their strategy for their interventions, do they uh, catch the market off guard and then uh, intervene without making a statement? Um, well, or yeah, sorry. Ahead. Yeah, 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 they, they do. The way they operate, in fact, typically speaking, a lot of central banks will say, look, we're intervening purely with a view to you know, the kind of a psychological uh, factor that can have in the marketplaces itself. You know, if you know a central bank is on the other side of the market, then you're going to be that much more reluctant perhaps to do what you can do on your side of it. However, for the SMB, they hardly ever make any comments on intervention policy. Uh, they, they'll say they're prepared to intervene as and when they see fit, but pretty well speaking, that's it. When they do intervene, and we don't tell anyone. Does the, and the press doesn't pick it up? Uh, well, the press, I think, like sort of you know, economists and analysts, will look at what's going on in terms of their weekly site deposits, which uh -huh. say it's a proxy for intervention. It's not a perfect measure, and use that with a view to trying to determine whether or not they've been active in the market or not. So that's interesting. The news agencies aren't calling the foreign exchange desks at the at the different bank and and, and getting info and asking questions. Is, is the bank in stuff like that? Well, I think they must do, but I, I guess there's you know, various unwritten rules as to you know to what the individual banks mm -hmm. themselves are allowed to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, on that, let me just, just stick in with the central bank thing for a moment. So there's all okay. these central bank meetings going on at the moment. We know that last week's ECB meeting, and I might chat a little bit about that in a minute, but we know them from what Mr. Draghi was saying, it was not a unanimous vote to, you know, to launch the package of measures that they chose to. What about the FOMC on Wednesday? Is that going to be unanimous or not? Well, that's interesting, right? The last one was 7-2, uh, two against uh, the rate cut. Uh, these, uh, uh, whether or not they will uh, move into the fold is uh, uncertain. You know, there's cross currents going on right now in the economic data in the U.S. We just had industrial production this morning, and it was much stronger than the best showing of the year. Suddenly, and um, uh, a lot of the business equipment, capital goods areas, which are the center of the Fed's focus, they're concerned about slowing business investment, uh, given you know uh, export slowing and stuff. And so this was a very positive. Is it just one report though? But then you have stuff like uh, consumer price, core consumer prices, three months in a row. Uh, the uh, CPI core has been at 0.3% monthly gains, and this is like the first time of the expansion. So so this is a uh, an important signal. This corresponds. You, you had some uh, uh, wage pressures in the uh, UK uh, uh, last week. Well, uh, average hourly earnings have not only posted had posted three uh, their own 0.3% uh, monthly gains, which is uh, on the uh, strong side, topped uh, in August by a 0.4% gain, if we remember. So uh, there is the inflation curve is 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 not uh, is not in the favor of the dubs right now. Now. And whether or not um, something like the industrial production report probably, you know, will get a significant uh, reading uh, in today's uh, um, FOMC, and they'll they'll make their it's a two day meeting. They'll make their announcement tomorrow. But there are cross currents, probably enough to keep. Uh, 
the uh, the Hawks unconvinced um, whether or not they want to fold in and, and you know and circle the wagons for the institution. Mm-hmm. That's another question. And maybe uh, uh, Jerome Powell, if he uh, you know his first uh, year and a half there, he had no uh, uh, dissents whatsoever, and now he's facing that. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can um, uh, move them in. Uh, uh, we'll have to wait. You know, there's also the possibility. Remember, we were uh, the the Fed had been talking about when they they get their uh, low um, uh, r- low rates. One of the theories was that you have to then because you have less room to go, you, you should make a, a a mad attack. Uh, you know, with, with heavy artillery fire and hit a, with All a right. fifty basis point. Well, that isn't being talked about anymore, but is is the Fed going to gradually, if this is a, a, a trend now, are they just going to be gradually moving incrementally towards zero, or are they just going to, you know, uh, uh, do what they had talked about in theory as a possibility of making that outsized move? So I'm, uh, you know... I, uh, it could be, you know, we have to write this stuff and, and we have to report this stuff. And so I have, you know, when the announcement comes out, I, I'm going to have my ear open to see whether or not it's a 50 basis point move right at that moment, because I think that that is an outside possibility. Interesting. Well, talking of incremental, just a, a quick whiz through what the ECB did last week, because it, it was potentially significant. It was a package of measures, as, as we mentioned. So the deposit rate then was cut by uh, 10 basis points. So I've got to wonder, really, was it worth it? But anyway, 10 basis points down to minus 0.5%. As we talked last week, that increases the cost on, on banks who pay this rate to partner excess reserves at the central bank. So the central banks introduced a new two-tier system, which means that not all those extra excess reserves are going to be hit and the ones which aren't will actually receive well they won't receive anything but it'll be a zero percent interest rate no real surprises there apart from the fact that some parts of the market were hoping for a larger cut also we're going to return to good old quantitative easing so that'll be back from the 1st of November at uh, 20 billion euros a month of net asset purchases. So that's only 5 billion a month more than they're running at when they uh, concluded the program at the back end of last year. However, it is going to run for as long as necessary. So it's open-ended. And that certainly, I think, caught some people by surprise. Uh, the other main news outside reinvestment policy, which is unchanged, uh, was the change to forward guidance. And that has been modified. So now they're talking about rates remaining at their present or indeed lower levels until inflation has converged uh, close to its 2% mark. Um, and indeed, and with convergence that's been consistently reflected in underlying inflation dynamics, to quote the ECB. So in other words, we've always talked about the core measures of inflation being important in terms of looking at month-on-month numbers. Increasingly now, they're suggesting that you know, the underlying HICP, and we'll get a, an update on that um, what tomorrow, um, is going to be increasingly important in terms of what they do with their policy so it's important for investors to keep an eye on that jeremy um, i have a quick question yeah. what what assets do the ecb buy uh well they've been buying they've been buying mainly uh government securities um and from what they said last week it's that's still going to be the case they do have some mortgage batch securities they do have some corporate bonds but by and large it's been sovereign debt and, and one and of the, the european sovereign debt 
Yeah, European sovereign debt. And one of the issues of this, of course, and something which I think there's still a question mark hanging over at the moment, is they bought so much of this blooming stuff. So they have what they call their so-called capital keys, which sets the limit for how much they can buy from, let's say, Italian BTPs or German bunds. Well, in the case of the German bund market, they're starting to nudge up towards the upper limit. So they may have to do something about that, which, again, has got people wondering if this this thing's open-ended, as they say, is this quantitative easing program. They may have to change something somewhere else, assuming they run out of stock to buy. Um, right, quickly moving on. This. So we talked about the SMB. Bank of England can get through quite quickly. Thursday, no change again there. Why? Well, basically, as everyone knows, there's still this Brexit cloud of uncertainty hanging over the policymakers. Realistically, I think the only possible move could be on the tightening bias. Uh, folks, remember, they still, the Bank of England still retains this tightening bias. Um, it could be moved, it could be taken out given uncertainties about the global economy but as mark mentioned we have had some strong wage numbers both in june and july over here which caught people by surprise and importantly too the july gdp data they showed an increase of 0.3% on the month which kind of makes a recession uh, this quarter look that much less likely so chances are i think that they'll leave the tightening bias in for the time being for financial markets anyway as ever they're more focused upon Brexit Brexit developments and for now that means the Supreme Court in the UK where judges will be ruling probably in three days time on the legality of the Prime Minister's decision to suspend Parliament. Um, It's not clear at this time which way it's going to go but note that Boris Johnson has been saying that it's not necessarily the case that he'll abide by the outcome if he loses. Um, If so it's not really certain what he'll do. I mean he could may have to recall Parliament but then on paper he could just come out and suspend it again. Who knows? That's certainly something we still have to watch closely. But were he to lose this ruling, then I think there's an increasing sense that the Prime Minister may be forced to quit. So uh, UK politics still very much in the headlines over here. Now, speaking about UK politics, has there been a shift? When Brexit first came, uh, appeared, it seemed to have been across party lines. Um, now has the Tories, have they become the de facto Brexit party and, and, and Labour now is uh, the remainer? Um, as far as uh, the Prime Minister um, Johnson's concerned, he wants really the t- you know, exactly that. He wants the Tories to be the de facto Brexit party. However, you do still have massive political divisions across the parties. So I, as we know, um, if, <clears throat> as we've talked about like, last week and then previous weeks, at the end of the day, there is no parliamentary majority. And in part, this is due to a big swathe of Conservative Party members who want to see Brexit without a deal. I think if Johnson can come out somehow and secure a deal with the EU um, before, what, the 31st of October when we're due to leave, then Parliament, I suspect, now would almost come out behind him. Um, um, and Brexit then would be effectively signed, sealed and delivered. But as things currently stand, you know, we've seen, what, over 20 MPs from the Tory party quit and form either independent parties or join the Liberal Democrats in protest over Johnson's stand. So it's definitely not the case that the Tories are the, you know, the hard, clear, fast you know, Brexit party. 
party. At the same time, across on the opposition benches, the main Labour Party, the main opposition party, they're kind of split. In theory, their line now is supposed to be that they want to hold a second referendum. But some people on their RMPs are saying, well, look, we don't think there should be a second referendum. Uh, Liberal Democrats, most of those are saying, well, we want to stop Brexit as soon as it happens. But it's not completely clear that all the members agree with that line as well. So, I mean, this is the issue. If there were an election next week, um, deciding who you want to vote for um, to take on board, you know, where you think Brexit should be, would not, you know, would not be an easy position to, you know, to, 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 to really to deal with. Is that why Labour didn't want the election because they know that they would lose? Well, I mean, it's interesting. If you look at the opinion polls over here, um, they've been suggesting that under Boris Johnson, whatever you think of the character, uh, the Tories have opened up a lead around about eight to 10 percentage points, which is one reason why there was this speculation that Johnson was going to, trying to push for an early general election. Um, win, a, win a mandate you know, from the people and say, well, that's it. I'm doing whatever I want with Brexit. So probably no deal. And that, of course, was you know, the, the key reason why the opposition parties got together and prevented uh, Johnson from, from getting his early general election. Fascinating times, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, right, before we say prattle on for too long, I should also mention, quickly mention the Bank of Japan. Overnight, um, the BOJ would make in its policy statement. Uh, no change really expected in their short-term interest rate target of minus 0.1% or the, well, I guess, unofficial target range for 10-year JGB yields of minus 02 to, to plus 0.2%. But again, even if they don't do anything, expect the general tone of the statement to be very dovish because uh, most previous meetings, they've been making noises to the fact that they're more than happy to do something on policy um, if we don't start to see some improvement in the real economy and to pick up an inflation. Um, right, so virtually everything seems to be talking about interest rates are on hold or going down, by and large going down. So we'll just mention on Thursday we get the Norges Bank. Not often talked about perhaps much outside Scandinavia, but there's a reasonable chance they'll actually be hiking interest rates out there uh, by another 25 basis points to 1.5%. Indeed, they've been raising interest rates since the back end of 2018. Good on you, Norway. All right. Anything else? That's probably yeah. enough for us, I think. I think yeah. before people start nodding off. Um, okay, right. So let's end it there for today then. But of course, we'll be back again next week as usual. From Mark and myself, thanks as always for listening. Do keep an eye on Econoday's global economic calendar and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.